Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. I'm Janelle Feller. And I'm Katie Nordby. These are the stories of Doreen Ann Marfio and Jacob Cavanaugh. Doreen Ann Dobson was born on July 7, 1955. In 1978, she married Stephen Marfio, two years after they started dating. In 1989, she quit her job as director of purchasing for the Rhode Island School of Design to work on her marriage. It seems likely that Doreen earned more money than Stephen. This actually put Doreen at risk for domestic violence. Ingrid Redden Cass said that women earning more than 67% of the total household income were seven times more likely to experience psychological and physical abuse compared to women who earned less than 33%. Stephen suspected Doreen of having an affair and had hired a private detective to follow her. There is no evidence that Doreen was unfaithful to Stephen. On March 29, 1990, Doreen was seen at their home on Hartford Avenue in Johnston, Rhode Island. On that day, Stephen took a 70-minute lunch break from work. His lunch breaks were usually only 20 to 30 minutes. He claims that he had lunch with Doreen, returned to work, and returned home at 4 p.m., but Doreen was gone. Did she tell him that she was leaving him? Carolyn Rebecca Block, in her report entitled Risk Factors for Death or Life-Threatening Injury for Abused Women in Chicago, said that leaving can be fatal. In 45% of the homicides in which a man killed a woman, an immediate precipitating factor of the fatal incident was the woman leaving or trying to end a relationship. Stephen reported two days later that Doreen was missing. He stated that Doreen had packed a suitcase with a week's worth of clothes and took $600 from their safe. However, she left behind her 1984 Ford Temple, curlers, toothbrush, and her two cats. She didn't take any of the $50,000 that the couple had in their joint bank account. There was no signs of a struggle inside the home. So he, so it wasn't until two days later that he reported her missing, but then he also says that she packed her clothes and left on her own? Yes. Why would he report her missing if she left on her own? Well... Or is that something that's just kind of strange? Well, it, it, I think it's strange that, that um, there is some... that It appears is that there was a luggage and some clothes missing um he may or may not have known oh, okay. to say that okay. that was that much but she didn't take her vehicle right okay and so sure it's highly unlikely that she would have gone someplace right I'm, i it wasn't, wasn't sure. scheduled okay i wasn't sure if he knew that she was leaving no and so then he was like well this is what she took yes okay or and, and he, he just had, realized they had, they had they had had lunch together um nothing was said sure and when he returned home she was gone okay and so were these these items. Sure. But still not reported until two days later. Right. Sure. Right. And so, and th- that is, that is strange. Mm-hmm. Um, Detective John Nardolio from Johnston, Rhode Island Police Department said, basically, you have a man who has his wife followed for 11 months for no reason at all. And this same man, later on down the road, his wife disappears. 
She's missing for two days and he has no concern to follow her or call her or to report it to police. I mean, it's totally inconsistent with his personality when he had her followed around for no reason. Here you have your wife missing now for two days and you don't think anything unusual. You don't make any calls to the police. Um, it's just not consistent. So in June of 1990, the police received two type letters about Doreen. Uh, this is an excerpt from the first letter. So, quote, Considering myself a good Christian and citizen, I feel a moral obligation to impart my knowledge of Mrs. Marfio. Although on the outside she personifies class, beauty, and professionalism, in reality she is nothing more than a cheap harlot, a diabolical individual with an insatiable appetite for sex. I've been witness to the majority of the boys fondling her, or worse, in various locations throughout the premises. Her promotions were achieved by her sexual prowess rather than her management or leadership skills. It's, I've seen disgusting acts of immorality unbecoming to a married lady. Experiencing mechanical failure one evening after work, I walked by her lighted office to use the phone. Upon entering the door, I found her and Mr. Inder engaged in a sinful sex of adultery. I excused myself and ran out." Unquote. I just want to say that that is a strange... Who could have seen all that going on? It is so weird. It, it is, is just so, so weird. weird. So, and the second, the second letter isn't any better. This is, a, the, this is an excerpt from the second letter. Quote, Stephen Marfio left his workplace, drove home to have lunch with his wife. There was no lunch. Doreen, sleeping on the couch in the living room. Stephen got hot under the collar. He made for couch and strangled Doreen. Stephen meted fast. He stuffed Doreen's shoes and handbag in a shopping bag and tied it to her waist. He wrapped body in blanket and secured it, to a, secured it with a clothesline rope. He deposited body and trunk of his car. Marfio got in car, crossed Providence Line, Two miles on a narrow dirt road, he stopped and deposited his wife's body in reeds in a pond. Marfio returned to work. A flat tire, his excuse for extended lunch hour. Marfio was home by 4 p.m. on, it's, it's unclear what that specifically says. Phone calling police reporting his wife missing. Marfio is highly skilled in fine art of deception. He can make a lie have a ring of truth, unquote. The two, the two letters are even written differently. Um, the second letter sounds like it's written like in bullet points almost. They're just kind of these random things put together where the first letter is actually like... In a story. A, in a, yeah, a story where the second one is... Is like punch, punch, yeah. punch. It just is, yep. Well, and it's just the, the references. And who... So let's say you're just a nosy neighbor... And you know some of these things. You sure wouldn't know all of those things. Very specifically. Very specifically. Yeah. What he did, how he did it. It's strange. It gets stranger. <laughs> Authorities discovered that the letters were typed at, at Stephen's mother's home on a typewriter. Authorities believe that Stephen wrote the letters himself. When confronted, Stephen hired a lawyer and quit cooperating with law enforcement. Stephen was never charged in connection to his wife's disappearance. I find it very strange that Stephen Marfio chose to participate in, a, in the recreation of when his wife went missing. 
This was done on Unsolved Mysteries, Season 6, Episode 9. He played himself in the episode, opposite of an actress uh, playing his missing and presumed dead wife. It feels like what serial killers will do, uh, that they will be really close and around when there's an investigation of somebody that they killed. So they'll be really close and may participate in the search for the victim. Yeah, they'll insert themselves yes. into the... They can't stay away. Yeah. The, their ego is so great that, mm-hmm. that they they participate in the search for their victims. Yeah. So can, can you imagine um, how... I mean, I think a seasoned actor would have a hard time... Right. You would you would think it would Playing be very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. And you shouldn't be able to get through it. Yeah. Um, in 1999, nine years after Doreen's disappearance, Stephen shot his estranged girlfriend, Laura Vincent, and seriously wounded her boyfriend, Salvatore Puglio. And then Stephen Marfio committed suicide. Investigators close to this case believe Stephen Marfio was responsible for Doreen's disappearance on March 29, 1990. Doreen Ann Marfio was 34 years old when she went missing on March 29, 1990. She would be 65 years old today. Doreen is 5'7 and 115 pounds. She is Caucasian with brown hair and green eyes. She has a pale complexion with freckles. One of her front teeth are capped and she has a chicken pox scar on the front of one of her calves. If you have any information about Doreen Marfio, contact the Johnston Police Department at 401-231-4210. Wow. Yeah, and I, I just, there's so many things in this. I, I had to take, I took things out because it just made it so confusing. But he had reported to the police that um, so she quit her job in the fall of 1989. And he says after that, she began to um, lose it, that she was, she was emotional. She, was, she had, was normally a self-assured, confident woman, and she became weak and um, frazzled and out of control. She just didn't seem to be emotionally strong and at least from the um, from the reports from her co-workers, that's not the person that they saw at, at all. They saw her as a confident woman that, that when investigators talked to them about any possible infidelities, they, they vehemently denied that she, that she was like that at all. She just wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, the the image that he tried to portray of her after she went missing is not the image that her co-workers had of her. Well, and I feel like it's typical if there has been domestic violence for the abuser, male or female, to try to convince other people that this person was much different than what you saw. Right. And so this is, I'm trying to justify why things are the way that they were because look at how crazy they were and look at how they were acting. Right. It it seems typical. Yeah, and and I think that, you know, if that was the case, this was a normally confident, strong, professional woman who um, 
you know, that would be a sign of, I think, psychological abuse. Mm-hmm. If she had disintegrated right. after at most five months yeah. of being at home, then there's a, something else going on. Uh, the co-workers reported that he, that he was constantly calling at work. He had concerns that she was having an affair with co-workers. Um, and, you know, so it's interesting in the one letter that he even identifies specifically yeah. a person. It um, fits into his narrative. Right. It fits into his narrative. And uh, it, it's, it's just very interesting. And I, I, I find it frustrating, though, that those two letters, that they found out that he, that he was responsible for those letters. Um, that there isn't enough there to charge him with. Sure. Um, but there's no, they can't, I mean, they had a, the, the typewriter analyzed and they had, you know, the, you know, all of that s- stuff looked at, um, because typewriters just there, they can be specific. Sure. You've got a wonky. They leave a e. certain mark. Yeah, they do. And they, yeah. it's just like, it's like a gun print. Yeah. It really is very, can be very specific. Um, maybe not all of them, but, but they certainly can have a pattern. Sure. And, but the writing is so weird. It is on weird. both of them. It's so strange. It just seems like he should have been charged. And uh, he went to his deathbed without ever confessing. And her family, at least for a long time, really didn't believe that he was responsible for her going missing. Sure. But um, there's also a saying that, you know, you keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I think that he murdered an ex-girlfriend. He shot her boyfriend. He, you don't go from zero to 90 like that. There's a very good chance that he had, um, that he, he was uh, abusive in his relationship with his girlfriend and he had been re- abusive in his relationship with his wife. Right. It's disappointing. It's disappointing that he had away with murder and then committed suicide without ever facing the crime that he committed. In 2010, 31-year-old Jacob Cavanaugh was living with his mother in Gran, Michigan. Gran is a part of Blair, Blair Township in Grand Traverse County. It's a suburb of Traverse City, which has a population of about 8,000. Jacob was a member of the Army National Guard and attending Northwestern Michigan College and was just weeks shy of graduating. He was also working at Dave's Garage, a job that he really enjoyed. He and his ex-wife had two sons together, and by all accounts, they were on good terms. On March 31, 2010, Jacob played disc golf with his friend Gary Wittig at Hickory Hills in Traverse City. When they finished, Jacob dropped Gary off near the volleyball courts at the open space, a beachside park around 7.30 p.m. Jacob was invited to have a few drinks, but he declined, saying he had some studying to do. He never made it back home, and this would be the last time Jacob has been heard from. When Jacob didn't return home, his mother became worried. It wasn't like him to not call if he wasn't going to be coming home. Jacob is the seventh of ten children. His mother called around, and when no one heard from him, she notified the police. Since Jacob was an adult and no evidence, and there was no evidence of foul play, there was no investigation right away. 
On April 1st at 1 a.m., Jacob made his required monthly call to the Army National Guard's automated system to confirm he was still attending college. At 2 a.m., he used his debit card to buy gas in Mattawan, Michigan, about three hours south of Traverse City. Just after midnight on April 2nd, a police officer in Hollister, Missouri, ran Jacob's plates for an unknown reason. Then, three hours later, a deputy in Washington County, Arkansas, ran his plates and noted that Jacob was sleeping in his car at the Brentwood, at the Brentwood Rest Area off US-71 in West Fork, which is 14 hours away from Traverse City. Later that day, Jacob's debit card was used to buy gasoline in Sweetwater, Texas. His image is captured on a security camera. Jacob's brother was stationed at Fort Hood, Texas, but that is almost four hours back in the direction he just came from. He also didn't mention anything to his brother about coming for a visit. He had insufficient funds in his bank account, but because he had an overdraft protection, the transactions went through. His debit card hasn't been used again. He did have his cell phone, but not his charger. His phone hasn't been used or it's turned off. There has been no sign of him and his car is also missing. In 2012, Detective Paul Gomes of the Grand Traverse County Sheriff's Department arranged a polygraph test in relation to Jacob's case, but declined to say who it was on. He then met with then-prosecutor Robert Cooney to discuss issuing investigative subpoenas, but Cooney declined because Traverse County no longer had jurisdiction since people believe Jacob is alive and well in Texas. In August 2013, Jacob's ex-wife reported $1,500 had mysteriously appeared in her bank account from Friend of the Court. Friend of the Court is a branch of the court that deals with custody, child support, parenting time, so kind of family court issues. When she called their office, she was told that the money was from the Army National Guard Thrift Savings Plan, of which Jacob was a member. If Jacob directed the savings plan to send her money, it meant that he was still alive but it turns out that friend of the court had contacted the thrift savings plan and directed the transfer of funds, but had refused to give her that information. In May 2014, detectives learned someone filed a 2013 Michigan tax return in Jacob's name. A return had been filed by someone named Kent Sy with a Houston, Texas address, but it turned out to be fraudulent. In 2015, a Grand Traverse County Probate Court petition declared Jacob deceased. In February 2020, a new detective on the case had Carfax data on Jacob's car forwarded to the National Insurance Crime Bureau, resulting in a hit in Mexico, likely from an impound yard, but the status of the vehicle is still unknown. If it was at an impound lot, it would have been crushed or destroyed by now. There was speculation that Jacob just walked out of his life in Michigan, but his family doesn't believe he would have done that. He had a good job, which he enjoyed, and he loved his children. He also had $20,000 worth of tools that he wouldn't have just left behind. Jacob Cavanaugh was 31 years old when he disappeared from Traverse City, Michigan in 2010. He would be 41 this year. Jacob is described as Native American, 5'10 to 6'2, and 160 to 175 pounds. He has brown hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing his work uniform consisting of a gray jacket with Dave's Garage printed on it, white or orange t-shirt, dark blue or gray pants. He was driving a 2002 silver Chevy Malibu license plate number BKQ 
4107. The vehicle had minor damage on the front side passenger panel. He is of Ottawa and Chippewa Indian descent. His nickname is Jake. If you have any information about the disappearance and or whereabouts of Jacob Cabinaugh, please call the Grand Traverse County Sheriff's Office at 231-995-5000. So did he, he, that one time he made a call to the, to the National Guard. Yeah. And, but did he, was there calls made to them after that? Nope. Just that one time? Just that one time was when his phone was used after he was last seen. The phone was with him, but it must have been turned off because it didn't ping, ping anywhere or anything or, hmm. yeah. It's just very strange. His family is adamant that he wouldn't have just left on his own. Um, there were comments made that he was a very helpful person, and so that maybe worked against him, that maybe he was trying to help somebody and ended up getting into some sort of trouble. Hmm. But there was he no was evidence. Just weeks short of graduating. Right. And... Even if you had, if you got in some deep trouble, right? just as tools, um, you'd think that he would take them. Um, and there, you'd have to be, there's no, there was no good indication of why he would have left. I mean, so there was, he wasn't in any trouble that anybody knew of. No, nope. no. Nope. And his wife, or sorry, his ex-wife um, apparently had access to his phone plan. Mm-hmm. And so going through the phone numbers and stuff like that, there was no indication that he had some was meeting up with somebody or that somebody had asked him to do something or mm-hmm. there was no indication of anything. Well, and his, his, I mean, when he didn't show up when he was expected, his mom knew that something was wrong. Right. She, so it just shows that he had a, cons- he was, he was reliable yeah. and uh, had some consistency so that it wasn't just, he didn't just disappear on um, you know, there are people that we've read that we've read about that that would go and be gone for a while or had that kind of wandering. But they'd always come back. But they'd always come back. Yeah. It, he didn't appear to have that because no. she was expecting him. When he said he was going to be there and he wasn't, she, she called the police. Right. Right. Hmm. And it was, it was noted um, in one of, the, one of the accounts when they saw him when the security cameras caught him at one of the gas stations. Mm-hmm. Um, it was noted that he didn't appear to be in a hurry. There weren't vehicles and following it him. him. It was him. Okay. From what they could tell. It right. was from right. what they could see. Right. It, it appeared to be him. Um, yeah, there, it didn't seem like he was being coerced into anything. or Chased. He wasn't. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I also, I'm, I'm kind of comforted knowing that he was, he, he was, while he wasn't being tracked, there are several places along the way that 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 um, at mostly law enforcement yep. saw him, ran his plates, that it it gave a a trail as to where he was at, and not in, we have not in any of the other stories that we've read have we run across that mm-hmm. where where it kind of told his story it told his story and they were able to follow and able to mm-hmm. see him on those security cameras and. And able to um, follow his trail specifically, right? And that's kind of comforting to know that that can be, that that's, that's that's law enforcement working in a way that is really actually very helpful. Yeah. Um, 
that information and how did he get to there and why is he in right and so. then after he bought gas in Sweetwater Texas there was no other pictures of him or his card wasn't used law hmm. enforcement didn't pick him up anywhere that was it hmm. you would think if you crossed over to Mexico you would have had to have presented something where they would have been able to say yes he did come across you would think yeah unless it was and well, I mean, yeah, this I mean, wasn't that to... long ago. This is 2010. Yeah, it wasn't that long so, ago. So, and just because, you know, like, law enforcement saw him, he was, he was seen, it was that, yeah, you would, you'd think that he was, it was, he was, he would be identified, or his car would be identified, right. or... If he didn't use his information, right. the vehicle would have been spotted, or right. someone looking like him. If he like would him. have walked across, yeah. uh, he would have had to present an ID right. at, at some point. And, and his picture would have been, right. he would have been able to be seen. Right. Yeah, it's just very interesting. Though I guess there are places that you can cross where it's not, you know, you can cross illegally. I suppose. I'm, 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 um, and I suppose that happens. It, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. But from, by all accounts, he had no reason. He had no reason to want to leave on his own. He didn't have outstanding debt. Yeah. He didn't have. Things were good. Things were good. Right. And he was about to graduate. Yeah. Yeah. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos along with information and articles used for these cases can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com. So I'm just coming back from um, a vacation, and I uh, my distraction for you this week is lame excuses to get out of work. Oh, perfect. Which I've been, I'm going to keep them <laughs> on my desk so that I can use them anytime I should so desire. Sure. Can I use them also? No. Okay. No. No. <laughs> okay. Um, so I have, I think there's 60 of them. I'm not going to read them all to you, but I, they're just, they just get better and better. My kid stole my car. <laughs> oh. I broke my arm reaching for a sandwich. Oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> I, what the hell kind of sandwich? Where was the sandwich? Where was the sandwich yeah. at? My wife found out that I was cheating and threw out all my stuff. Oh, well, I suppose that could be true. It could be. And I, I, it wouldn't get much sympathy for me. <laughs> no. My refrigerator's... <laughs> my refrigerator fell on me. Oh. <laughs> Have you ever tried to move a refrigerator? You... They don't tip easily. They are. They <laughs> no. do not tip easily. No. And if you if it did fall on you, that's because you were trying to climb on top of it. Right. Because right. that's the only Which, again, time. why? Again, why? <laughs> right before you go to work. My convertible was full of flour. Not oh, flowers. Flour. F L O U R. Baking flour. Hmm. I think. If it was in a convertible, that would fly out really easily on your way to work. Well, you it just would take care of the it, problem. You roll down the windows and keep going. Right. I just put a casserole in the oven. I can't make it to work because I just put a casserole in the oven. What? Before work? Yeah. <laughs> I poked myself in the eye with a hairbrush. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> 
This could be a legitimate reason. It could be a legitimate reason. You can come to work with an eye patch. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't? <laughs> I, I, I don't... I have I have very curly hair, and so I can't use a hairbrush um, ever. But I could see myself... I don't have my glasses on. I, I get a little over brushy <laughs> and stab myself in the eye with a hairbrush. I mean... Toothbrush, maybe, but I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's reaching. It's reaching. Oh, they're all reaching. I broke my foot after I got up from the toilet. Oh, the brittle bones. This is right. <laughs> this is, this could be, this is true, and I, I it, it may happen to me someday. I ate too much birthday cake. I did that the other day. You ate too much birthday cake. I you did. couldn't go to work. Oh well, no! I went home from work, I guess, and I took a nap. But I, I felt like at the end of the day, I was like, no more cake, no more cake, because we had cake here, and then I'm a cake. I had cake for dinner after after dinner. I was like, no cake more. Dark. Take the cake. I can't do it. But then the next day, I was like, oh, cake oh, sounds really good. <laughs> cake for breakfast. Yeah. Too much birthday cake. I I can't go to work. Uh, the ozone in the air flattened my tires. Oh. My llama wouldn't stop barfing. <laughs> I've caved. I can see that being a problem. I have PTSD from a very large spider. Oh. I mean, that's... I feel a, like I've had that... To miss work? Not to miss work. I'm bowling the game of my life and I can't make it in. <laughs> what time do those people go to work? Well, and I mean, I mean, there's people, there's sh- shift work. I there's yeah. You can work any time, day or night. I mean, it's... My writs are showing. Mm. Well, get in line. Sister. I wouldn't have been here for the last year if that was honestly, the case. <laughs> honestly, uh, this could happen. My pressure cooker exploded. It's happened. And what a bloody mess that would yeah. be. Yeah. It. I mean, you probably aren't calling into work. Oh, you're probably in the hospital. You could be. Yeah. If, if, and you seriously could have PTSD. Yeah. After that, um, I have to testify against a drug dealer. Well, that's you got you got some problems there. That's, yeah. I used hair remover under my arms, and now I have chemical burns. Mm. I ate cat food that I thought was tuna, and now I'm deathly ill. <laughs> oh, I'd be just you just barf that right up. Yeah. I mean, honestly, how much did you eat? Well, and I mean, like. I mean, it's, it'd be one thing to take a bite, and be like, "Oh, gross, that's disgusting," but to to just keep but eating the, to the point of deathly ill. The tuna texture is different. I would say I've never eaten cat food, but I would say yes, it's different than the cat food texture. And you would notice it. This is this is. Uh, I accidentally got on a plane. I, I wish I would do that. And I just walked right on. Walked right on. Yeah. Uh, this is the last one, and it's the best one. Grandma tried to poison me again. Again. <laughs> Why are you hang out with your grandma? Well, She's trying to poison you. Again. You, I mean, yes. why, once is enough. <laughs> right. I once had, this is a true story. I once had somebody call in drunk. In the morning. In the morning. In the morning. Eight o'clock in the morning. I can't come to work today. I'm drunk. Well, that's true. You can't come in. No. But and maybe you shouldn't come in for the rest of your, your uh, life. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe we're done. Yeah. And this is an excuse that I did not run across. And it's the very best excuse. This excuse will get you out of everything. 
I can't come into work today because I have explosive diarrhea. <laughs> Nobody's going to question that. Nobody. They're not going to say, you just suck it up and come right. on in. We don't want you. No, we don't want you. We don't want you. We're not going to question. We're not going to stop by your house. Right. We're not anything. Nope. That's it. You're good. You're out of your You're own. good. You're good. We hope to see you in when a couple of days. Take care. Right. Right. <laughs> or not. It's fine. It's fine. Those are good. So those are those, good. Those. I mean, that was one. That is. That's the one that you. It will. It is a yeah. sure bet. It doesn't matter what's going on. Right. You got a bad date. You can use it if you've got. Uh, you anything. I it, yeah. I think it's an excuse for anything. Right. Right. Yeah. And and well, without question. Yep. Without question. Those Prove are good. It. <laughs> right, right. You're not going to be asked that. You're not. No. You're not. So what do you have? My my distraction is a continuation uh, from last time's episode. And these are more funny mascots. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. I funny mascots, weird. Weird, weird, weird mascots. high school mascots. Well, they're, they're weird. Yes. Uh, obscobs. Obscobs. Gazebo backwards. Oh, the O's bags. O's bags. O's bags or something. <laughs> the O's bags. <laughs> the O's bags. O's bags. O's bags. O's bags. The O's bags. Like you're saying. And I'm like, that's not right. O's bags. O's bags. I was really not even close. <laughs> Neither of us were. <laughs> the bo- the boiling springs, Pennsylvania bubblers. The bubblers. I. I'm still not afraid. Uh, however. Boiling, It'd be hot. Boiling springs. Yeah. But the bubblers? I think of like a bubbler as like what you put in a fish tank. Right, right. Bubblers. But yeah. you have that sucker boiling. It, those fish are done. <laughs> done. Turn up that heat in there. <laughs> Yuma, Arizona, criminals. What? They're the criminals. I mean, that's actually a good mascot i mean i I would be what are they criminals of well you don't even know you don't even know and so i mean it would be a good scary mascot it would be that's actually that's the only one that's been good yeah i haven't seen i didn't see the actual what the mascot actually looked like i don't know stripes oh maybe or orange (laughs) or orange maybe they're all maybe maybe criminals only wear orange now maybe yeah but it would be scary it would be in price utah the carbon high dinos carbon high school the dinos. The dinos. Mm-hmm. In Effingham, Illinois, the Flaming Hearts. Why couldn't they be the effing hearts? <laughs> <laughs> they could. They, they should. Could. They, they should. should. They should. They should. In Harrison, Arkansas, the Golden Goblins. I don't like that at all. I don't either. Then you won't like this one either. In Freeburg, Illinois, the midgets. That's heightist. Heightist. It is. It's dis. It's disability. It is stereotyping. Yes, it is. And these ones, these next ones are are college mascots. These are high schools. Stanford University, the Stanford tree. That's it. That's your mascot. The tree. The Stanford tree. That's. Dumb. Mm-hmm. They're from Stanford. They could come up with a better mascot than that. You'd think so. Wichita State, Wushock, the wheat stock. The skinniest thing ever. The Wushock. Wushock Fragile. <laughs> right. Snap a it A little in bit half. of hail. <laughs> douse it with water. Right. 
You see Santa Cruz, Sammy the slug. It could be Sammy the... It could be any Sammy the anything. But slug, slug. is not... Yeah, they're not moving fast. No. And also, not scary. Mm-mm. Not intimidating. Nope. Dumb. Dumb. And they don't play basketball very well. No. <laughs> Delta State University, the fighting okra. Okra. Are the the most benign <laughs> of all the vegetables. It will thicken your stock, but that's it. Right. Uh, university. It's like, are all the good names gone? Apparently. Apparently. Well, yes. Yeah. University of North Carolina Art School, the fighting pickle. Again, they're an art school. You could have thought of anything. The pickle. Fighting pickle. Pickles aren't angry. They're not. No, pickles, I mean, I suppose you get one that's... Maybe a little salty. And uh, not angry. A little jalapeno pickle, maybe. It could be a little bit. But... That's dumb. It's dumb. At Dartmouth College, the keggy, keggy the keg. Your your dumb, mascot is Dummy McDumb beer. Yeah, Dartmouth. <laughs> Concordia College, and I'm not sure if it's Concordia College, Minnesota. I'm not sure if that's what it is. Um, Colonel Cobb and Niblet. Corn. So there's a mascot and then a baby mascot. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So there's the Colonel Cobb. And then one little niblet. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I just hope it's not Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have looked. <laughs> Probably. I don't think it is. It we be. would know. Well, yeah. We would know. Scottsdale Community College, Artie the Artichoke. Why can't it? Scottsdale, Arizona? I'm assuming, yeah. I'm assuming. Why can't it be like the armadillo? Right. The... Archie the Armadillo. Right, it should be. Because, I mean, that's not scary either, but it's fun to say. It is. <laughs> West Kentucky University, big red. It's just a red blob. Well, that gum is spicy. That big red gum is spicy. Oh, cinnamon, yeah. Yeah. And you get too much of that, and it, it'll burn. burn. Make your eyes tear it'll up. Make your eyes tear right up. Yep. University of Arkansas at Monticello, Wheezy the Bull Weevil. They're getting worse, not better. They're getting worse. There's three more. Oh. And these are, yeah. St. Louis College of Pharmacy, Mortimer McPessel. Can I just say that I love that one? I love that one because it's a school of pharmacology. It really deserves to have a nerdy, I'm nerdy. Right. Mortimer McPessel. Nerdy. Pestle. Mascot. Right. University of Texas, Dallas, Timok, the comet, which is comet backwards. I hate it. Last one, Xavier University, blue blob. Can I just say after reading all of those, we came up with such better names. Oh, yeah. Such better names. They were actual things. In our area. That made sense. And that were scary. Yes. Ish. Scary-ish. Well... I mean, it's not like we live in Alaska. (laughs) Right. Right. But the mosquitoes are very frightening. Right. And wasn't there like a North Home Gnats or something? (laughs) (laughs) There should be. There should be. They were Uh, better. They were better. And Gnats will just, they'll chase you out. They will chew you up. They will chew you up. Yeah. And they will chase you out of any activity that you're in. Right. 
my husband is allergic to them, and oh, he gets he welts. gets huge welts uh, from it. Yeah. So yeah, they're scarier than they seem. They're scary. Uh, headlights. Oh. I mean. Yep. Bed fleas, bugs. bed bugs. I mean, I, I think that actually here we're too far north, but I think if you want to scare somebody, it's it's not the things that. It's not these made-up things, no, the tamaks, the, the comets, or the obes eggs. Or the bow weevil. Right. It's not these things. No. It's things that torment you in your everyday life. Right. Like mosquitoes, ants, red ants, oh, pine beetles. Wolf spider. Right. What, what is that spider called that's that's under the docks? Oh, a dock spider. A dock spider. Oh, my God, that's a scary yes. thing. I mean, if you want to, you... I, I just, you, that is a scary you thing. You win. You win. You win. Yeah. I won't, I'm not using the duck ever again. <laughs> right. But, and it's very frightening. Yes. It's very intimidating. Yeah. I don't care who you are. No, I know. Unless you're an obes eggs, maybe they don't mind it. Well, they don't have eyes, I guess. They don't have eyes. You don't know. You don't know. Fall down. And, and <laughs> the, I don't know, maybe the duck spider has eight. I mean, they might. Because they're ugly as sin. They're terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. 